You're listening to Gyro City Youth's podcast, where we believe that you were designed, purposed, and positioned to change the culture. We hope this week's episode encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Today, we are starting a brand new series, series for the summer. Um, we're starting a series we're calling Kingdom Culture. Come on, somebody say Kingdom, Kingdom. Culture. 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 Kingdom Culture. Tap your neighbor, say kingdom culture. Tap your other neighbor, say kingdom culture. Tell them, like, hey, you got, you, you part of the kingdom culture? You part of the kingdom culture? Like, come on, I, I ask somebody, you part of the kingdom culture? Hey, hey, but over these next couple of weeks, uh, we are going to be discussing um, the seven values we have here at JCY. Um, in case you didn't know them, they are Jesus is our message. People are our passion. Excellence is our pursuit. Generosity is our privilege. Honor is our heart. Faith is our focus. And creativity is our calling. Those are our seven values. Now say that back to me. No, I'm kidding. But that's what the series is for, right? What did you say? Amen. Praise God for trying, right? Come on, can I get an amen? Um, Hey, but I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited about this series um, because... Man, if there's one thing I know that has helped shape the trajectory of my life and the life of people I look up to, it's being people of value. Being people that say, hey, this is what I value. This is what I'm deciding is important to me beforehand. So when a moment of crisis or when a moment of a difficult decision comes my way and I'm faced with it, I don't have to wait to make a, I don't have to wait till I'm faced with a hard decision to know what I'm going to do and to know what I'm going to decide. Because I've chosen to value certain things. In fact, I've chosen to have kingdom values. I've chosen to align myself with kingdom culture. And today, I, 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 we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Today, I want to lay a foundation before we start talking about any values. We're going to start talking about our first value next week. Jesus is our message. It's going to be a great message. It's going to be fantastic. I love it. I'm excited. But today, I want to lay a foundation. And in order to do that, I, us, I want us to open our Bibles to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 to 2, I think it's actually kind of funny that uh, our, our pastor this morning, she read that same verse, and I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Amen. Praise God. Our church is in one accord. I love it. Love to see it. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. It says this. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Really quick, I want to pause there because I know if you're not like grew up in church, churchy, that sounds like weird. Like present my body as a sacrifice. Like is this like a cult? Like what are we doing here? You know? But the language he's using here, what he's trying to communicate is total surrender. It's saying, God, you have all of me. And that's not where we're going to camp out today, but I don't want to just walk past that part of Scripture and ignore it and have you think it's, like, weird and be like, okay, we're just going to not talk about the fact that God asked us to sacrifice ourselves. Like, what? You know? So I want to make that clear. Like, what, G- what God is talking about here through the Apostle Paul is saying is, like, present yourself in surrender to God entirely. Every part of you. Not some parts of you. Every part of you. Holy. All of you. He wants all of you because he died to redeem all of you. Can I get an amen? amen? So verse 2, do not be conformed to this age, but 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Anybody want the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God in their life? I don't know about you, but I want God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to see what would happen in my life. Hold on, check this out. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, I want to see what would happen in my life if I just said yes. If I just said yes. Everybody give it for that woman of God that got me that water. Amen. Praise Jesus. One time. <laughs> Honor is our heart, right? Honor is our heart. Honor is our heart. Um, but I want to see what God can do with a yes. I want to see what God can do with total surrender in my life, in your life, and in our lives collectively as the church. I want to see what can happen in the city of Orlando, what can happen in East Orlando, what can happen in your family, what can happen on your school campus when you go back to school. I want to see what can happen if you live a life full of surrender, if you live a life saying, God, you have my yes, whatever it means, whatever it costs, because there's no greater cost than the one Jesus paid. Whatever it entails, Lord, you have my yes. Amen? So the title of tonight's message, if you're taking notes, which I highly encourage you to take notes because those of you who have been here a minute know what I'm about to say. You can't remember what God told you if you forget what God told you. Come on, praise God. Uh, so write this title down. Take some notes tonight. I believe it's going to bless your life. The title of tonight's message is Culture 101. Welcome to the introductory class of Kingdom Culture. Won't you pray with me where you're at? Father God, we thank you and we worship you for the opportunity to be here today, Jesus. Lord, I ask above all else that you would move in this place, that you would speak to specific people um, about specific situations in their life so that they might see that you pay attention to them, that you see them, that you are with them, that you love them and you care about their day to day, my God that you actually care about their lives, Jesus. Lord, we're thankful to be here today, and we ask that you would move in our midst, Jesus. We love you. And all God's people said? Amen. And all God's people said? Amen. Hey, Jairus said, if you love Jesus, won't you make some noise? Uh, amen, 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 amen. Now, I know the title is a bit, like, corny, Culture 101, but like there, there's a purpose to it. Like uh, there's a purpose to me calling it that. So anybody know what a 101 class is? And you know, you know, like every you ever heard of that? Uh, you know, like English 101, whatever. You know, like Bio 101. You know, maybe for those of you who are going to college now, understand, or if you're Justin and you're just incredibly intelligent, um, a 101 is an introductory course. And the point of having an introductory course, because the follow-up question to introductory courses would be like, okay, why do we need that, right? So an introductory course is meant to lay the foundation, uh, lay the solid foundation for the knowledge you're going to attain moving forward. It's meant to set a, a, a solid ground for you to build upon. You see, you can't pass Algebra 2 without cheating. You can't pass Algebra 2 without first having grasped the principles of Algebra 1. And in the same way, before we start discussing our seven values here at JCY, I want to take this Sunday to lay a foundation, okay? A foundation of why living a life aligned with kingdom culture matters. And it matters because we, as followers of Jesus, weren't designed to be like the culture that we live in. In fact, we were designed, purposed, and positioned, come on, somebody help me, to change the culture. But... You can only bring change 
if you yourself have been changed. And if you want to be changed, change what you value. See, the trend I see in people, maybe it's people my age, maybe you see it in people amongst you, around you, is that we want results that our values can't produce. We write checks our values can't cash. You see, we want successful careers, but we don't want to work hard in a way that honors our employers and honors God. We want awesome relationships, but we, want to serve, we don't want to serve people. We want to be served by people. We want God to move in our lives, but we don't want to lean into the community that he's placed around us here, like tonight. We want opportunities without trials that build our character. We want glory with no suffering. You see, friends, if we don't decide what we value intentionally, we will default to the values we are surrounded by daily. I'm going to say that one more time. If, if, if we don't decide what we value intentionally, on purpose, we will default to the values we are surrounded by daily. And if we're not changing the culture, we're conforming to it. And that's not who God's called you to be. And that's why that verse we read earlier, Romans 12, 1 to 2, is going to be the anchor scripture for this entire series. We're going to keep coming back to that because we want to, I want us to remind ourselves, like, as we talk about these things, they might not necessarily jive with how you've lived life up to this point. They might not necessarily make sense. It might feel weird. Just, like, honor people? What? Like, be generous? Like, give what I'd rather keep? What? Like, that doesn't make it, like, excellence? You mean don't do things half-heartedly? Don't do things, like, don't do homework just to get the grade, but do it to understand the material? Like, like what do you, like, honor my parents, but they're not even good people. Why would I honor them? Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But the goal is, is this, is that, like, don't, don't, don't conform to the patterns of this world. You're not, like, can, if you belong to the kingdom of God, like, hey, this, this, you're passing through here. This is, not, this is not the goal. Earth is great and all that, but I'm looking forward to a new earth and a new heaven that Jesus promised. I'm looking forward to a place where there is no death, where there is no tears, where, where, where there is only joy and peace and hope. That's what I'm looking forward to. And as we approach that, Jesus calls us to bring that into the reality we live in right now. That is kingdom culture. It's Romans 12, 1 to 2, because God doesn't want us to conform to the value systems and beliefs around us. And that's not to say that everything our culture produces is evil. I, I do believe there are hints and shadows and reflections of the gospel and parts of culture, I just think they're incomplete. And that's where we, as the people of God, get to step in and present the whole picture. God wants to renew your mind. And the whole renewing your mind thing is it's pretty simple. It's, I'm going to say it's not easy, but it's simple. There's a difference. You see, he, he renews your mind through Scripture, in prayer, Surrounded by a community of people who are pursuing Jesus with you. He renews your mind through scripture, in prayer, surrounded by a community of people who are pursuing Jesus with you. And that part is important. Very, very, very important. However, that's another sermon for another day. I want to zone in on the second part of that. What having a renewed mind leads to, what it produces. Which, by the way, I don't think there's ever a time in your life where your mind is done being renewed. It's not a destination. It's a lifelong process. 
So I don't want us to get caught up in this zone where we're like, oh my gosh, I have to renew my mind. And then you think like a thought that's not like, you know, whatever, in line with the values, in line with Jesus, whatever, you know, whatever that thought may be. And you're like, dang it, my mind's not renewed. I'm failing. Ah, God, why? And it's like, hold on, hold on. Breathe for a second. You're being renewed daily. You're not just renewed at one point. Like, that we don't, we don't, I don't think that. I don't believe that. That's a theological argument we could totally have, but I disagree with the idea that there is like a sanctification day. No, no, you are being progressively sanctified. You're being made more like Jesus day by day. So tonight, I want to look at what a renewed mind allows us to take part in. It allows us to see and discern, which all discern means is to be able to tell the difference between what is God's will and what isn't his will. And this is very important because you were created to change the culture. So tonight I want to break down Romans chapter 1. I know we started in Romans uh, 12, 1 to 2. But the rest of tonight I want to break down a little bit of Romans chapter 1 verses 8 to 15. Okay? Cool? And in reading that, um, I'm going to propose three questions to you guys that I'm going to answer with scripture, but I want to pose three questions to you guys that I want you to think about as we're talking tonight, okay? Tracking me so far? You guys awake still? Yeah? Amen. Amen. Cool. All right, Romans chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to read it. It says this. It says, this is Paul speaking to the people, the church in Rome, okay? It says, let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night, I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all of my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. See, that's the value of community, is that I would encourage you with my faith. I would encourage you with what I'm trusting God to do. I would encourage you in my faith in God, saying, man, I'm believing that God is going to, he's not going to leave me in this season of depression, but rather he's going to lead me to a season of joy and peace. I believe God isn't going to leave my parents' marriage in shambles where it is, but instead I'm going to have faith that God is going to restore them. And that's when we come together and we believe that with one another. We encourage one another with our faith in God, saying that even when you, when you might not have enough faith to believe that God can do the impossible, I will come alongside you and I'll have faith for both of us. That is the beauty and value of a community of Jesus. And Paul says, I, I want you to know, in verse 13, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit as I have seen among other Gentiles. Gentiles is non-Jews. Verse 14, for I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. My first point for you tonight, if you're taking notes, my first point for you tonight, if not here, then where? If we're called to change the culture, if, if God wants to use us, if we're called to ha have, be a part of kingdom culture and bring the kingdom to where we're at right now, then why not here? If not here, then where? You see, in verse 8, 
Um, Paul says this. He says your, uh, that their faith in God is being talked about all over the world. Now, Paul isn't exaggerating there when he says all over the world. It's not like an exaggeration. He's, uh, you see, I want to give context to this. Like I've mentioned before, Paul is writing a letter to the Romans, and the Romans live in Rome. Rome. Amen. Let's go. I love it. The Romans live in Rome. And back in this day, the Roman Empire was the most powerful empire on the face of the planet. <laughs> and, and, like, there weren't, like, airplanes. So if you wanted to get somewhere, more times than not, you had to travel through Rome. So when people would travel through Rome, they would see the church in Rome and be blown away by them because the gospel transforms lives. Jesus transforms lives when you put him on display, which is why, again, this next week's sermon, which is why we have no other message here other than Jesus and him crucified and resurrected, that Jesus died for you, that he loves you, that he is the son of God, second person of the Trinity, and that he came down in human flesh, human form, fully man, fully God, Lived a life we could li- couldn't. We lived a life we could not live. Died a death that we deserved, and he was resurrected to have our sins forgiven and the check cleared and the debt paid. That is Jesus. When we preach that message, along with a life that is in line with that message, people come to know him. Let it never be said that here at Gyro City we didn't have enough faith for Jesus to change lives that we did a ton of extra stuff because we thought that's what changed people's lives. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit stirring the hearts of people in here by the preaching of the word of God is what changes people's lives, and we have faith in that. So I want to preface this. You should, of course, use the gospel, preach the gospel, live the gospel everywhere you go, but tonight I want to focus on this point um, with just one or two ways that you could preach the gospel and live the gospel presently where you're at. Um, now, this one might be a little weird, but I, I want you to follow me so far. Now, where in your young lives do you see the most foot traffic? Most people are there out of obligation. They have to be there, um, and they don't really get an option. If you don't go, you, you kind of get in trouble, if not with family, with the law. Like, anybody have a guess? Just a guess. School? Work. School? Work is another great place. Amen. Praise God. Jury duty. That's that's true. Pray for your boy. I have. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have to report for jury duty tomorrow. Hopefully. Amen. Praise God. Love to serve my city. Um, <laughs> it's just a free day from work, to be honest. Um, but school, school. And I know it's weird. You're like Gabe. We're in summer vacation. That doesn't make any sense. Cool, cool, cool. What if I told you God's not waiting for you to be in that moment to prepare you for that moment? What if I told you God's too responsible for that? <laughs> What, what if our God is so kind and so gracious to us right now, right here, that he says, before I send you back, let me prepare you right here in this secret place. Let me work on your heart. Let, let me develop your mind. Let me renew your mind. Let me give you a different set of values to go back and bring a different culture onto your campus. What if we actually lived out the kingdom on our school campuses when it's time to go back? And I know you just finished, so you might not even want to think about going back. But, but understand, like, you were designed, purposed, and positioned. And if God positioned you at Timber Creek, if God positioned you at East River, if God positioned you at whatever, maybe middle school you go to, if God positioned you there, you're there on purpose for a purpose. God is a chess player. He is a master at chess. He knows how to set up moves five moves behind. 
So understand that if you're starting this new school year at a new campus with new people, you get to walk onto that campus with authority because you have God-given authority backing you. You have the kingdom of heaven backing you. You will have cultural, kingdom culture values going with you so that you might be able to change the culture. You see, I'm throwing these numbers around, but this, these are just like guesstimates, ballpark. Um, East River, uh, there's a rough estimate of maybe about 2,027 students in it. That was... I think maybe I got that number from a census of a, maybe a, a couple years ago. I could, it could be more, it could be less. At Timber Creek, there's about 3,338 maybe, right, more or less, yeah? Um, at University High School, we have nobody here that goes to University High School, but we're in faith. We're going to believe that some University High School students are going to stumble in here and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll be a part of this. Amen. At University High School, there's 2,975 students, roughly, guesstimate. And that's literally just high schoolers alone. 8,340 students within this maybe 15, 10 to 15 mile radius. Um, that's not even including middle schools. And if we literally only reach 1%, we reach 80 people. Now, I don't know about you, but I have too much faith in the message of Jesus in the gospel to believe that it's only 1% effective. Maybe, maybe that's as much as you have faith, but I, I believe the gospel is more effective than 1%. So what am I saying with this? What am I trying to say? I'm saying that if we play a part in bringing the kingdom to our campuses, how many lives would we see saved? How many people would we see reconciled to Jesus? How many people who might have ended their lives months from now, a year from now, what might the trajectory of their life look like if we just say, I don't care if I feel awkward, I don't care if I feel embarrassed, it doesn't, it's not about me, people are my passion. So what would I care what I look like? You see, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I mentioned this in, our, we had a meeting earlier, I mentioned this, man, I, I don't preach hell often, because I'm trying to get people to heaven, not, I'm, not, I'm not, you know what I mean, like, I don't, okay, cool, yeah, hell is real, cool, whatever, I'm trying to get people to heaven, but if you, if we, as followers of Jesus, I'm talking to followers of Jesus, I'm talking to people who have said yes to God, have said yes to making disciples, and have said yes to, to the mission, to the call, if we can't eat a moment of awkwardness, for someone's eternity, we're selfish. It's all about you, isn't it? I say that in love. I know it doesn't feel good, but it's good for you because you need to hear it. I need to hear it. Because if people are our passion, then we will do whatever it takes, short of sin, to see them saved. Why? Because people are God's passion. You're either his people or his passion. And if we're his people, then we will be passionate about what he is passionate about. Can I get an amen from somebody here today? The gospel is far more effective than 1%. The gospel is far more effective than 10%. The gospel is far more effective than 20%. It is way more effective than that. But the question is, maybe it's not effective because it's not being preached. Maybe it's not effective because when it is preached, a life that is preaching, the life that is behind it, doesn't have integrity enough to live along with it. And that's not saying you have to be perfect. That's saying be humble enough to admit when you're not. Accept that. Man, I genuinely believe, and churches like to throw this word around. Like, anyone ever heard of the word revival? Anybody ever heard that? 
Man, I believe there's going to be a revival in this city. I believe God's going to revive us. Da, 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 da. Cool, cool, cool. I love revival. It's cute. It's great. Revival is a lot of work, and it means getting in the dirt and the mud with people who are broken. I love, I love when we look back at Jesus' ministry. We think it was so cute and clean. It was nice. He went everywhere. He had nice hair, beautiful leave-in conditioner. He had great beard oil because his beard was nice. You know, uh, we actually don't know if Jesus was tall. He could have been like 5'5". Five, five. I don't know. But either way, um, shout out to short people. Can I get an amen? Um, but, but we tend to glamorize the ministry of Jesus as if it was so peaceful, as he was the son of God walking around, taking care of business, preaching the message of the kingdom, preaching repentance, saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Can I tell you, it was anything but that. It was messy. It was full of controversy. Why? Because he went up against the culture that he was in, the culture of the world and the culture of of the religious systems and structures that had been established that were taking advantage of people rather than serving people. And I'm not one to say church is bad. Church is great, but church is full of broken people. And when broken people try to hide up their brokenness, they use people. I want this place right here, I want, I want our church to build people. I don't want people to build our church. I'm committed to serving you and helping you grow and be more like Jesus. I'm not here to build a mega youth ministry. Like, I, I don't care, bro. I want you to know Jesus, and I want you to help other people know Jesus too. So I genuinely believe in my heart of hearts. Like, I, man, if we, anybody at that meeting today can tell you, man, we're, God's doing something. God is doing something amazing and he's inviting you to be a part of it he's inviting you to step and he's saying step in come on what can god do with your yes wouldn't you rather be a part of the great move of god that generations from now they're saying man that started the biggest rebirth of 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 god and his spirit going through not just this nation, this world where people are coming to know Jesus by the millions and thousands. And it's not one person that takes credit. It's all of us pointing back to Jesus saying, it's not us. We're not the cool people. We're not gifted. We're not talented. I'm another beggar. I'm just trying to point you to where I've been fed. Follow me as I follow Jesus is what Paul says. And that's who we're trying to be. That's what we want to do. If not here, then where? What are we waiting for? I don't care if it's summer vacation, man. Man, we got, this summer, we're going to have tribes every other week. We're going to create more opportunity for us to be able to be together. Why? Because it's about building a community. Because, man, I know, I know the stigma of church. I'm not stupid. Like, I'm not, like you might think I'm stupid. That's okay. I'm not. I'm kind of, man, I, I graduated high school at least, you know. 2.8 GPA, let's go, unweighted. 3.5 weighted, though. Dale. Talk to me nice. Talk to me nice. I literally graduated, and they gave, you know how they give people, like, just a, a generic medals when you graduate, like those? I remember I went, we went to IHOP after graduation. My dad was like, oh, wow, what's this for? I was like, graduating, yay, woohoo. I didn't do anything special in high school. <laughs> like, 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 man, like, I, I'm not that I'm not that great. I'm not that smart. I'm not that talented. But what but God can do a lot with a yes. God can do a lot with obedience. God can do a lot with Romans 12:1 when he says, "Give me all of you." 
Watch what I can do with all of you. Watch what I can do with that. Watch what I can do with your life, however long it is, however insignificant you may think it is. See how significant of a life I can give you when you follow a mission of significance, a movement of significance, a message of significance, because the gospel is significant. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you're in this room today, God's calling you to be a part of what what he's doing here. I'm just going to say it straight up because I don't got time to beat around the bush. Like, be like, oh, maybe God wants you. No, if you're in this room today, God's calling you to play a part in seeing people come to know him, whether you know him or not. He's call, like, hey, call, like, let's do this together, and we can figure out all the specifics as we go because walking with Jesus is exactly that. It's a journey. It's a process. You don't have to agree with all, with all theology right now. In fact, you know what? Wrestle with it. It's a safe place to doubt. It's a safe place to doubt. I'd rather you doubt in the presence of God than doubt outside of it. I would rather you doubt in God's presence amongst God's people than have you doubt outside of it. Because at least we can look you in the eye and say, oh, you doubt that? Dude, me too. Oh, I've been there. Like, that's crazy. You know, like, I don't even know what to do about this part of Scripture with this part of Scripture. I don't know how to reconcile these two things. But I'll tell you one thing I do know is that Jesus loved me. Jesus saved me. It's all about Jesus. It's only Jesus. And until I die, I will live my life for him. It's all about God. And can I tell you that God's inviting you into this today, and that requires expectation. Do you actually believe God is going to do something if you say yes? And if you don't, that's okay. Be honest. And then prep participation, which means, man, be at the tribes that we're doing this. Man, they're fun. They're dope. They're great. Say yes. Thank you, Ignacio. Nacho. Thank you, bro. Say yes. Show up. Man, I can't tell you how many times I have seen people in the church world. Alex, tell me not. I've seen people in the church world who want to do great things, who want opportunity, but they're never around. They're never around. You know why, the, you know why Jesus sent out the disciples? He, you know why Jesus sent out the disciples to go preach the message and he's saying, I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth. It is yours. You know why? You know why? Because they were around. You know who didn't get sent out? Who wasn't with Jesus at the time. Do you want God-given authority? Because it's yours by the means of Jesus. It's not your authority, by the way. It's his authority given to you. Just want to make that clear because we are a biblical church here. (laughs) But, like, do you really want to see God do great things? Show up. Be here. We've talked about it last week, the week before. Every time we meet, you should be there. Why? It's summer. If you don't have a job, you should be there. If you need a ride, let us know. We'll get you. But you should be around God's people because when you're around God's people, you see God move. Because when people are together, God moves. God uses his church to advance his message. God did not select a man other than Jesus. God chose Jesus to empower the church to move and spread the message of his coming, of his redemption, and of his love for us. Participate. If not here, then where? Another media, another avenue, I'm going to move quickly, is social media. Man, um, there's a reason we're doing this podcast right now. Like, there's, there's a reason. Um, there's a reason why, you know, we record clips, and we're going to start posting them. Like, there's a re- like it's not because I want to be some celebrity pastor. I really don't. If we could block out my face, that would be fantastic because I don't feel like I look that great today. It's okay. 
I feel like I look a little fat, but that's fine. We're getting there in Jesus' name. Um, thank you, Alba Nicole. Appreciate it. Um, but, like, it, it's not about me. I, I'm, I'm being very honest. Like, it's not, like, so it, it's to reach people far from God because if they can't, if they don't want to step foot in the church, cool, cool, cool. The church will step foot wherever you are. I'm so tired of Christians talking about how dark darkness is when Jesus called us to light. And when there is light, there is no darkness because that's just how it works. <laughs> but in fact, whenever there is darkness, it's because there's an, there's an absence of light. Could it be that the darkness in our world is growing more and more and more because the church has decided to be a who can shine the brightest contest instead of who can go light up the dark? I read this verse today in John, um, I believe it was chapter 7, where Jesus is going to uh, meet the people. It was after he feeds the 5,000. Um, and I love it. It said the darkness, something like this, I'm paraphrasing, it said the darkness had set in and Jesus had not come yet. If we bring Jesus to the darkness, darkness won't be there. But if you have the light and if you are the light that Jesus has placed in this world, if you see darkness and you don't go, we talked about that, I think, last week or the week before. What is that? That's the sin of omission. You knew what you should have done, and you didn't do it. And I don't say that to condemn you. I say that to push you with a sense of urgency to do what he's made you to do. Okay? Second point. If not you, then who? If it's not you, then who is it going to be? Verse 14. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. I love that Paul doesn't even really know these people yet. He feels a sense of obligation to them. I bet Paul is thinking, and this is just me speculating here. Not, this is never found in scripture. This is just me rambling, so take it or leave it. I, I, I think he's speculating. If no one tries to reach them, how will they know about this good news? How will they know about the message of Jesus? You know, this one church hosted a conference one year, and the theme of it was uh, no one else is coming. And I, I love that. You might not be the greatest theming for a conference because, oh, well, if no one else is coming, I'm not going either. Uh, but, like, I love the name of it because the reality of it is very true. If the church, if we as followers of Jesus don't do what God called us to do in the spaces and places he's called us to do it, then who are we expecting to come after us? If you're not going to do it where you're at, who's going to do it then? Who are you waiting on? Why are you passing the baton to someone who's not even running behind you? God called you to do it. I believe it's Ephesians uh, 1 or 2, 8, something like that, where it says he predestined you for good works. What does that mean? That there are things he has for you to do, specifically only you, because he predestined it for you. So if not you, then who? If not us, then who? If you're not going to be the one to be on your knees praying and fasting for your family to be restored, who's going to do it? If you're not going to be the one that prays and asks and pleads and serves on your school campus to see them know Jesus, to see people stop doing stupid drugs that they think have no effect on them right now. I'm not saying drugs because, oh, man, here he is preaching morality, all oh, drugs, drugs, this and that. It's like, no, I actually care about you, bro. So I'm telling you the truth. Like, I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It feels weird. But, like, like, what are you running from? That's what I'm really concerned about. 
What are you hiding from? What emotion are you evading? Why do you, why, why do, you do what you do because you feel so lonely? What, why do you feel like no one cares about you? Why do you feel like you have to prove your worth to people who aren't paying attention to you? Why? Why do you care so much? That's what I'm after. I'm not after your actions. I'm after your heart because your heart influences your actions. What are you running from? And if you're not running from anything, then pay attention to the people around you. Because odds are you know somebody that's running. Odds are you know somebody that's hiding from pain. Odds are you know somebody that's been hurt so deeply they don't know how to express it. So they're just kind of just, they have this mask. They don't really care. Nothing bothers them. It's not that big of a deal. When you hurt me, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, you hurt me? Cool, I'll just cut you off. That's fine. If not you, then who, man? If it's not us, then who is it going to be? I know the job you're working right now isn't where you plan to be forever, but what if with the time you were, you, what if the time you were there, you didn't pass off the responsibility of being light in darkness? Who else are you expecting to do the work God has ordained and set apart for you? Here's one for you. Um, God placed you in this church to help change the culture and to help reach people so that this community might be a home for those far from God, not just people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, but rather people in their teens and 20s and 30s, praise God. But, but follow me. If it doesn't appeal to you, why aren't you doing anything to change that? Can I tell you, there's no spiritual gift of complaining. Like, it's not a spiritual gift listed in scripture. So if all you do is complain and complain about how, oh, pastor doesn't understand young people. Oh, man, the, the worship's not that great. Oh, man, I wish we had more cool-sounding music. I wish this, I wish that, I wish this, I wish that. Oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you noticed what we need. Now get to work. I'm so glad you've seen where God, what God has highlighted to you is missing. Now stop complaining and start serving. Like, man, I, I can tell you so many times in my life personally, I have complained about, like, the morning service, all this, this, and that. Man, it's kind of boring. It's kind of like, I don't really like it. You know, what would happen if we decided to show up, be present, honor, and see what God might do with us there? What if, what if influence comes through honoring first? Which it does, by the way. You really want to get someone's ear? Honor them. But can I warn you? People think you're going to suck up, though. People think, oh, you're just sucking up. You, oh, you got something on your nose, your brown nose. Oh, man, you're trying to be the teacher's pet. This is that. It's like, no, 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 I could care less what you think of me. I'm just trying to honor because honor is my heart because honor is a kingdom value. We don't honor people because they're honorable. We honor them because we are. That's week five, y'all. I need to slow down. Let's not be people that complain. Let's be people that get to work. Before we speak against something, let's get in the dirt and work with it. No one else is coming. So if not you, then who? What are you waiting for? God placed you right here, right now, in my prayer. I was praying about this yesterday as I was up about midnight, fine-tuning this message, praying for you who are here 
today, my prayer is that this would stir a fire in your heart, that something would begin to move on the inside of you, and you would say, count me in, I'm part of it. That you would say, it's me, God is calling me, you specifically, to join us collectively, to bring change locally, nationally, globally. Because when you be a part of God's mission, that's what happens. My final question for you tonight as we wrap up is, is if not now, then when? Don't wait for the school year to start to start a revolution on your campus. Don't wait for the school year to start to take steps to mature in your walk with God. Don't wait until you're in crisis to develop a relationship with God. And if you notice that you only run to God in crisis next time you're pulled out of it by the community that's around you, take steps to prevent that from happening. Because I don't know about you, I don't know anybody that likes to be rushed to the emergency room because they had a heart attack. And if it does happen where they rush to the emergency room and they had a heart attack because they have high blood pressure, I notice them because they care about their health. Stop, like, take steps to lower their blood pressure. Practical example. So if that's true, if we care about our bodies that will perish, how much more should you care about your souls that will not perish? If you care about your body that is going to die, I'm, I love you, it's going to go in the dirt. Just very morbid, very honest. I'm so sorry. I love you. Praise God it's not anytime soon. <laughs> but, but if you would do so much, you would eat healthy, you would drink water, you would do your skincare routine, you would do hair conditioner, all this other stuff, to make yourself look good, to take care of yourself, how much more valuable is your soul? And if you're not, if you're like, oh, whatever, this is super christian and stuff, it's like, I'm praying that you would move past that to understand the depth of what I'm telling you right now. Because God forbid you get to a place where you are at absolutely the end of yourself. You're at the end of your ability to deal emotionally. You're at the end of your ability to cope mentally, and you have, you have not built the practice of running to the Father. You have not built the muscle that when I feel pressure, I run to his presence to find peace. My fear is that we build followers of Jesus, another generation that's really good at playing church on Sunday, but doesn't know how to walk out their faith on Monday. That we know the Bible, that we know scripture, that we know theology but we don't know how to let it change our hearts. Can we not be that generation? Can we be different? Can we actually let the word of God influence us? And I say that not to, I'm not a morality guy. I believe Christianity and following Jesus has morality in it. Morality isn't the point. It's a byproduct, but that's not even the, like it's, it's such, it's so secondary. I don't care right now. My point is that, do you want a healthy soul? Do you want a healthy life? Do you want to prosper? Do you want abundance that Jesus promises? Or are you okay with being just good enough? Are you okay with just making it? Can I tell you, man, I started budgeting. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Anybody got a budget in here? Somebody, can I get an amen in the house? One thing that is just constantly on my mind is, I don't want to just make it. I don't want to just make it. I don't want to make just enough to meet ends meet. No, I want to make more than enough so that I might be generous to the kingdom, to my family, and to those around me. 
do you want your soul to be just full enough so that you might make it into heaven? Jesus didn't die just to get you to heaven. He died so that you could bring heaven to earth. Like, like, follow me here. I know they're making sounds, but pay attention. Like, you know what a lot of us look like right now? We look like the people that go to the gas station and just click it. Click, 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 Ah, oh, yeah, I can get home. And then we get in our car. That, that's about as much prayer as you do. Uh, Jesus, uh, thank you for this. Um, we appreciate your presence, God. Uh, amen. Amen. Cool. And it's like, um, cool, you're, you're not going to make it if that's all you do. If that's where you're starting, amen, great, start there. But let's not stay there. If all you read is the verse of the day on the Bible app, amen, praise God, I love it. Don't stay there. Move past it. Because I don't want us to just make it. Jesus literally said, and I know prosperity gospel preachers have ruined this. They say, you're going to have a Lamborghini, you're going to have a Bugatti, you're going to have all this great stuff. Ah, It's like, okay, if you have a good enough job and you work hard, yeah, you might be able to get it. Cool, amen. I have nothing against Bugattis or Lamborghinis. I don't care. They're metal. Like, I don't think Jesus is anything against metal. But, but what I am saying is that Jesus promised abundance, prosperity in spirit, the fruit of the spirit, that you would prosper in your heart, in your soul. That's what he died for. so that you wouldn't just make it. So that you would say, my time is now. Jesus is calling me now. He's not calling me when I'm 22. He's not calling me when I'm 25 or 27. He's not calling me in some future, some obscure future where I finally get it together. Some of you, that's your coping mechanism. I'm going to end really quick, but some of you, that, that's how you cope with reality. You imagine a better version of yourself. Like, you imagine a version of yourself that has it all together. That's how you cope with the fact that you don't love yourself. That you actually can't stand the thought of you. You think of a version of you that gets it together. Can I tell you, Jesus isn't looking for them. He didn't call them. He called you. So can we step into the fight because the time is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not the day after tomorrow. It's not next week, next year. He's calling you now. Why wait? God's ready to go. He's ready to move. The question is, are you? Amen? Let's pray. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this week's episode blessed you. If it did, share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe and have a blessed day. And remember, you were made to change the culture.